Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we sure are glad to have you. What a cool thing to uh, to have this resource. I thank God for, you know, the Internet has a lot of bad stuff. It really does. But you know what? Uh, we're able to redeem it for God's good, and it's, that's what's awesome. So I just really appreciate you joining us. Um, we had a, 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 an amazing situation occur where Monday I did an impromptu show. Now, Monday, you know, uh, is a, it's our old time to do the show, but because, uh, we, we needed to change for a lot of different reasons, but we needed to change to Wednesdays. Um, I thought that Monday's show with almost no promotion, I'll just tell you the truth. It was, it was totally off the cuff. It was, it was, um, you know, I just, I felt like I had to do a special broadcast and, um, I just wanted to do that because of the fact that, you know, look at all what, 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 went on. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. It's just crazy. But you know what? It's, it's not unpredicted. It's not unpredicted. So today is our regular show, but Monday I thought, you know, we'll be lucky to have 50 people listen. And we had over half a million people listen, just, uh, just a, a hundred and some thousand under what we normally have. So, Hey, listen, I just finished an interview with a great guy. Uh, his name is Duke Brooks of WMGD or WGMD. I'm sorry, WGMD. You go to WGMD.com, www.gmd.com, um, and then search for that. You can, you can go back and listen to the interview. Uh, really great interviewer, and we're going to be back on that show again. I would love to have you listen to that and maybe put some comments in, let them know that you listen to the Ninja Pastor uh, here at Blog Talk Radio. And uh, we want to welcome our folks in chat. Welcome uh, to Doyle and Southern Sense Radio. It's an honor always to have you. Uh, we really are... Uh, we're really, really fortunate to have you, and we got people calling in from Canada. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be able to take your call today, um, but because uh, we we're loaded with guests, we have two great guests today. I'll tell you, it's funny because I'm not normally a guest guy, um, but I just can ramble on for two hours. But um, we today we have a really cool lineup for you. We have Nicole Tice; she's the founder and director of Delaware Family Policy Council and Delaware Strong Families really a warrior for uh, freedom and liberty and uh, Christian values in the state of Delaware, but not just in the state of Delaware, all, all over the, all over the United States. I mean, Delaware has really been kind of leading the way. We're going to talk about that. And then we have a dear lady that was introduced to me by uh, Elizabeth uh, Letchworth Christ, 
who's been on the show several times, a uh, great, great lady. And uh, she said, hey, there's a lady you really need to talk to. Uh, her name is Allison Lurkowski of VoteBiblically.com. And it's uh, we're really privileged to have her on. So we're going to talk, talk first to Nicole and then to Allison. And uh, I know you'll really enjoy it. What I want to say to you now is, is um, oh, let me say this really quick, just so you know, if, you, if you're driving, don't write this down. But if you're not driving, write it down. Um, it, on Sunday, you've got to listen to the show. And I'll tell you why. I don't normally say that. I normally encourage you to listen. But this Sunday, you've got to listen. And the reason you've got to listen is because I have to tell you, uh, this guy is so different. He really is. He's so different. Uh, He's a great friend of mine. He's been a great friend for a long, long time. And you guys uh, all over the really all over the world have been uh, have been praying for him. And his name is Chris Cahalan. And he's from Minnesota, which you will easily and quickly discern that. Well, the highest ranked, most listened to show that I had with guests wasn't uh, with the, you know, we have famous people on here, um, you know, people well known, you know, all over the world. And they're great people. They're incredible. But wouldn't you know it, the guy with zero radio experience, uh, not, not really a public speaker at all, fighting pancreas cancer, my buddy, Chris Cahalan from Minnesota, comes on, and, and it's the highest rated show with a guest that we've ever had before or since. So that's what's kind of cool. All that said to say this, look, Chris is going to fly from his home in Minnesota to uh, will be come to Delaware on his way to Washington, D.C., he and some of his family, and they're actually going to be here for our um, Sunday Sean talk. So you've got to listen in on that. Uh, we'll put some stuff out to you on that. It's really, really worth it. I have to tell you, his story is amazing. Uh, you can listen to, go back and listen to the one with Chris Cahalan in the archives here. It's really, really powerful. Um, but he's going to be here live with us on Sunday. So that should be fun. Great, great guy. And his faith is extraordinary. Uh, hardcore faith lived out fully, and that's what's awesome. Hey, look, it's been a tough time for Orlando, but it's it's been a tough time for the world, really. Uh, you know, we, we put things into its perspective. We look at, well, I'll give you an example. It has been, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Maybe 10, 10 days, maybe 11 days since Ramadan began, the Muslim most holy holiday the most holy month for Islam, Ramadan. Uh, and in that time, there have been uh, more than 11 attacks and more than 112 people are dead. Now, this is their most holy holiday. You know, you go back in our archives and you listen, I've, I've exposed the truth about Islam. Um, and, and anybody now of the hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this show all around the world, uh, I'm telling you uh, – well, you know, and I don't say that to brag. I'm, I hope that you don't think that. Um, well, you know, it's not to brag. It's not to brag. It just is what it is. I'm I'm a nobody. But we've been very blessed to have the people listen. Listen, if you listen to this show for any length of time, you, you know all about Islam because we've told you. We've had experts on. Uh, you don't want to listen to me. Listen to the expert, the other experts we've had on, Eric Stackelbeck, uh, Jim Simpson, um, uh, William Federer, for Pete's sake, you know, all these different people talking about Islam, 
along with me, come on, you know, you, you know the deal. But just so you know what Ramadan is, it's the holiest month uh, for them and all of Islam. They're not supposed to swear. They're not supposed to gossip. They're not supposed to complain. They're supposed to be kind to others. They're supposed to purify themselves, reaffirm their commitment to their God, Allah. I say their God, Allah, because we do not worship the same God. Lest you be deceived, it is not the same God. But it's supposed to be a peaceful time. It's supposed to be, you know, this is, this is the deal. So let's just tick through some things. June 5th, Afghanistan. Taliban terrorists, they fired a rocket-propelled grenade at a Humvee. It was carrying an Afghan reporter and a photojournalist, uh, David Gilkey. Uh, they both died. Did you, did you hear about that? Did you miss that? American was killed? Yeah, an American reporter was killed. Yeah, or an American photojournalist was killed. But you didn't know that because they don't want you to know that. That's just how the deal is. That's just how it goes. They don't want you to know. June 7th, only a couple of days in Iraq. Uh, big bombing, massacre. Uh, there were over 10 people killed. Then in Israel on June 9th, two attackers dressed to blend in with the Israeli crowd. This is from the tweet. Uh, they were dining in Tel Aviv. And gunmen drew their weapons and opened fire. And I, I, I love what uh, Bibi did. He freezes en- immediately when this happens. He free- froze entry permits for 83,000 Palestinians after this happens. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Same day in Iraq. By the way, four people were killed there. Same day in Iraq, uh, suicide bombers hit separate areas of Baghdad. 31 people were killed. You know, and they don't care who dies. Uh, then in Bangladesh... Bangladesh, if pronounced correctly, uh, ISIS claimed responsibility for killing a Hindu monastery worker, and uh, you know his body's laying in the street all bloody. And uh, uh, his name was Nitya Ranjan Pandey. Was out for a walk. He was brutally attacked with machetes. He was hacked to death. June 11th. We don't take. You know they don't rest. Uh, they strike a police base base in eastern Afghanistan. They kill six. Then, of course, as you know, June 12th we have Orlando, Florida. Uh, ISIS sympathizer Omar Mateen. Now, look, I don't care if he was gay, uh, the little-known secret. Uh, I'm just going to put this out there to you, little-known secret. Uh, Islam is rampant with homosexuality, rampant with it. You don't have to deal with it. You're just going to have to deal with that fact. You may not think that it's it's, it's, – it just is what it is. You're going to have to accept stuff. Sometimes it's not easy to accept, but it's true. So he killed uh, right now. I think the body count is, is 49. There's 53 others, and there's a lot of people that are uh, clinging to life there. It was a gay club, and uh, well, he's been in there a bunch of times. It was more about his religious angst uh, weighing heavily on him, and he was fighting internally. Now he called on the phone, and we'll talk more about it later. But it is what it is. The massacre in Orlando. It's now the worst mass shooting in history of the United States. Now didn't take a break. June 13th in Turkey. Now, there's a picture of Benjamin uh, uh, Weinthal, uh, at Ben Weinthal. He's on Twitter. Uh, he shows a photograph in Turkey of a guy with a $4,000 rifle, and uh, it has a, probably a two or $3,000 optic on top. And this is, you know, this is the guy, you know, these people are just coming out of caves. You're, you're wrong, people. They're very well financed. Uh, it's an Austrian uh, Steyr Aug 5.56 assault rifle. And um, very expensive. So anyway, point is, is um, he attempted to assassinate Syrian activist Ahmed Abdel Qadar, and uh, he didn't succeed. Uh, he was shot three times. He's recovering in the hospital. But then we have Canadian Robert Hall beheaded by ISIS 
This is on the 13th in the Philippines. You don't even know what's going on in the Philippines because we're being shown all these other things. Guy gets his head chopped off. Uh, did you know ISIS was in the Philippines? Did you have any idea of that? Yeah, see, people think, uh, and it's the name of, of the ISIS affiliate there is Abu Sayyaf. So, yeah, they just cut Robert Hall's head off. They wanted a ransom. They wanted a lot of money. And when it wasn't given, they cut his head off. So uh, they placed his severed head outside a Roman Catholic cathedral. Anyway, uh, there's just so many more things. There's so many more things I could go through it. But we have, uh, we're really privileged to have a, a great person with us today. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Let me check with her and see. Uh, if she is able to uh, come on now versus at 4.30. We have her scheduled for 4.30, but um, we've got some other stuff to talk about, but I can put that after. So let's just see here. Send a quick message here. All right. Hey, uh, by the way, while we're talking about it, the Sunday broadcast will be super, super clear. Um, it will be super, super clear. And... Um, because we're going to have direct line and super fast and all that stuff and great mics, but we're working on Sundays. Sunday, you got to understand Sunday, we're doing a live, usually we're doing a live broadcast. The, um, and uh, the, uh, the funny thing about it is, is, is I almost have no cell reception. I'm trying to use this little tiny card because the home that's hosting us um, is uh, they don't have internet and they don't have televisions. They don't have internet. They don't have any of that stuff. And but we we have a room there that they have graciously offered to us, uh, wonderful hosts, and uh, there's a hundred people that we can seat. Actually, 110. I think we've got 110 in there, but it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, but um, anyway, so we're working on that. We're we think we've got a solution, but we're going to keep working on it. Listen, folks, uh, I'm going to bring on the line uh, Nicole Tice. One of the things that you need to understand about Nicole is that she's a fighter. By the way, DelawareFamilies.org, um, Delaware Family Policy Council, Strong Family, Strong Everything, um, that is the website where you can learn more about what they do. Now, you need to understand um, Nicole is a fighter. She, she, she's in uh, – you, you hear me talk about uh, Center for Self-Governance all the time. Well, in Center for Self-Governance, we get after it. And we've had some things that we've had to work on that were some serious, serious stuff, and we teamed up. With Nicole, Nicole is now uh, not only herself coming to the CSG training and moving through the levels, but she has uh, a lot of her members are coming to do it. I'm actually a member of the Delaware Family Policy Council, proud member, and uh, I'm excited uh, about it. But there's some issues that we've been working on that we just never really, uh, 10 years ago, you'd have never thought that you would have ever in a million years, how to deal with. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Let's bring Nicole on. Welcome, Nicole. How are you? Hey, Sean. It is such a privilege to be talking with you right now. And um, the folks who are listening in, what a privilege. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. Here is the crazy thing. Um, a lot of people don't realize that there are family policy councils all around the country, um, and really Delaware has really led the way. Thank you to your leadership. And uh, But I want to read to folks what the mission is. The mission of Delaware Family Policy Council, or here and after DFPC, is to advocate for principles of life, marriage, family, religious liberty, and biblical stewardship of government. Our mission centers 
on the most critical issues facing our culture today. Our vision is to see Delaware as a state where human life is protected from conception to natural death. Marriages and family are strengthened and supported by public policy, not attacked or weakened. Religious liberty is affirmed, free from government interference, and parental rights are elevated, respected, and protected by the legislature and the education system. Now, I want you to know one of the other things that Nicole does, folks, in addition to, uh, look, you want to get something done, you ask a busy person, and Nicole is a busy person. She's always (laughs) running the roads. And uh, I think I think Goodyear or whatever kind of tires you have on your car, they owe you they owe you a check because you're you're supporting the cause uh, by burning <laughs> up the tires all up and down the state. Uh, but one of the other things that Nicole does that I personally uh, enjoyed is uh, is the Patriot Academy. Now you guys know I have a great friend, um, really really wonderful brother and a friend. He's part of the reason I'm in radio uh, and wrote a book and all that stuff. And I'm just going to tell you, um, the Green family in general is just, they're amazing. But you've heard of wall builders. Well, that's, that's my buddy. You know, they're, they're very, very closely linked. Well, my buddy, uh, almost a, what was he running for? Congress this time in Texas? Representative? Rick, oh, that's right. That's right. Rick was running for Supreme Court. And I'll tell you what, he got awful close for a last minute entry into run for the Supreme Court in the state of Texas, nobody better, by the way, and nobody knows the Constitution better than him. Um, you know, he almost got it, boy. It was, a, it was a really a team effort. Well, they have this thing called Patriot Academy. And in Patriot Academy, one of the things they do, and I've talked about this on the show a lot, but now we're fortunate to have, um, fortunate to have Nicole on the phone with us, so this kind of helps us. Well, Patriot Academy, what is it, 16 to 25? Am yes. I right on that? Yep. 16 yeah, a little to 25 bit of flexibility year old. in there, Males but yes. Yeah. yeah, and we can make some exceptions for exceptional people. I mean, we can do that. Um, <laughs> That's right. So they come, and they spend several days, and it's intense. They literally take over the, uh, you know, the legislature, uh, that whole building. I think they take over the whole thing. They're closed for sessions, so they, they come in, they take it over, and they become legislators. They learn what legislation is supposed to be. Um, and then there's a lot of great speakers that come and a lot of great experiences that they have. And my son Doyle has been, I think, twice or three times. Maybe this time coming up will be the third time. And uh, he's benefited from it each and every time. And it's just a, a when you when you start to get depressed and disappointed in the state of affairs in America and you start to think, man, we can't turn this over to the youth. Then you go to a Patriot Academy event and you start to say, hey, wait a second. If these people are promoted and, and uh, influenced and, and taught and trained to go into these positions of leadership and government and business, we're not going to be in such bad shape. I mean, these are sharp, sharp kids who are soaking up all this liberty and freedom. So that's another thing that uh, Nicole does, and, and maybe she might want to talk about that a little bit. But I want to talk to you, Nicole. Tell me, you know, I know you've had a lot of battles, but I, I think our audience would like to hear a little bit about what you think is probably your greatest legislative battle, which we know is, is also a spiritual battle as well. But what do you think your, your greatest legislative battle, the, the, the charge that you've been on that, that you think was the most important? 
Well, thank you again, Sean. Um, and I, I love talking about this, especially I love talking about Patriot Academy um, and really hope we get a chance to do that. But, you know, going back to our vision statement for our effort here in Delaware, um, and, and we are one of about 38 family policy councils throughout the nation. And if, if folks are, that are listening would like to know if they have a family policy council, and they, we all go by different names because we're, we're independent, but yet we're together, um, they can look in their state and see if they, if they have an organization to be a part of. Because I'm telling you, these people that I get to work with, and I'm one of, Delaware's one of the newer family policy councils. These guys are just amazing. I mean, talk about the generals on the ground and with the right heart. Boy, I love them. But they can go, you can go to familypolicyalign.org um, and you can get on there and, and look up where your state council is. Um, so that's what I recommend people to do if you want to find out how to be a part of one in your state. Um, but anyway, Back to your question, our vision is a Delaware where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished. So there are some core issues, of course, that we're going to work on and advocate for that are going to deeply impact the family because we know that the the family is the core social unit that drives everything else. I mean, when you look at where there's high crime and there's so many issues that we just can't get our arms around. I mean, you look at the shape of the, what the families are in, and there's a direct link, but correlation between the health of families and the health of a community or society. So when families thrive, we all benefit from that. And um, so one of our biggest battles, I think, and we were not very, you know, we're only eight years old as a family policy council. So and started just by a group of people who looked at this, like you, Sean, and you go, something's wrong here. <laughs> Something We've got mm-hmm. to do something. And you look at your children, and you look at what we're leaving them, and we're like, what? Hey, what let me, let me interrupt you here? for just a second. Let me interrupt you for just a second. You're breaking up. We're only catching about every third word. So I don't know if maybe you can fiddle with something there. Uh, tell you what, let, let me put you on hold, and whatever the issue is there, maybe we'll get it fixed, because we're only catching every third word. Um, and then we'll go to commercial. I'll bring you back right after commercial. Hang with us, folks. Hey, happy warriors. This is the Ninja Pastor here. Listen, keepers of the republic, people who care about the future of this country, if that's you, and you're not the you that just wants to talk about it, just do Facebook posts, just do Twitter, but, I mean, you really want to do something. You really want to make a difference. You're called a keeper of the republic. Our founders clearly detailed that we, the people, would keep our republic if we participated in our own governance. Self-governance, let me tell you what, requires education, participation, sacrifice, and determination, and the belief that you can make a difference. Look, you got to do something, but what is something? As I said, Facebook posts, they won't save the republic. Neither will rallies or voter drives. It goes way deeper. And if you truly want to do something of value that is also effective, the question is, are you willing? Listen, you can go to centerforselfgovernance.com or you can go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. There's a link there uh, for a center of self-governance. All you do is click there. While you're there at facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, click on like and sign up. And you'll have all these links uh, 
immediately available to you, super, super easy. And I can help arrange courses for you in the Northeast and elsewhere. You got to do it. You say, I got to do something. I want to do something. This is the something. This is the something really big. This is the secret sauce. You got to ask yourself some tough questions. Do you really have what it takes? Do you really have what it takes to help save this country? Do you really want to save the country? Have you given up already? Then here's the really, really tough question. Am I worth the blood and treasure already sacrificed for liberty and freedom? Am I worth the acres of crosses in Arlington, Virginia and towns across America? Soldiers who gave everything, committed everything to our freedom. How do you do it? Go to my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, and then click on the link to this, Center for Self-Governance. It'll be right there. You want to do something? This is your something. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Welcome back. Thank you for your patience, folks. Uh, We are excited to have Nicole Tice with us, uh, Delaware Family Policy Council, Delaware Strong Families, Patriot Academy. And uh, so did we get all that fixed up, Nicole? I think, are we good now? How do I sound now? Does everything sound good? You sound good. You sound good. Yeah. I think uh, it's some loose connection or something. I don't know. It's just we were we were missing about every third word. So I didn't want people to miss. One of the things we missed was that you were directing folks to a certain uh, website. Uh, if they want to know more, we were talking about Patriot Academy. So I don't want that to get missed. So could you say that one again? Yes, it's familypolicyalliance.org. If anyone would like to go and um, find the Family Policy Council in their state, um, I'm one of about 38. And so um, if folks would like to get involved with, uh, with the groups right there on the ground within their states or are interested in even help getting started, uh, starting one, if they currently don't have one in their state, then um, we, I just want to encourage everybody to check out familypolicyalliance.org. I think it's .com, too. But uh, I don't want to check the connection because it might take no. out my sound. No, I hear you. I hear you. We'll work on that. We'll figure it out, and then we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll let the folks know. We'll pu- also put it on our website and the Facebook page and all that. So uh, tell us about – I really want the folks to hear a little bit before we hear about your um, – your, your greatest, uh, and, and it sounds funny to say this, uh, your greatest challenge, your biggest fight um, in legislature, in, in self-governance, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And we all have to get involved. We all have to be mutually pledged to keep the republic. But at the same time, Patriot Academy, big, big, big part of that. Um, and so I tell the folks a little bit about and also give the dates uh, for Patriot Academy when and where that happens, and then why? Why Patriot Academy? Great, great questions. And I get a, I can get on a roll about this because I get pretty passionate, so you're just going to have to interject if I'm going in and out, just like you did before, and let me know if I'm not being heard. But um, as far as our greatest battles, uh, you know, our whole goal is to focus on families and strengthening families, recognizing that Um, In order for our culture to change and for things to be different, we've got to reach families. And, 
you know, let's face it, you know, marriage is hard and we're in a culture that values, you know, um, and has elevated uh, your emotional wants or that your state of emotion above all things. Um, and so that doesn't bode well in a marriage that requires sacrifice on both parts and coming together and serving one another. And, um, but, but marriage is at the center of a family life and, you know, moms and dads coming together to make and raise the next generation, right. And um, to transfer their values to their children. So wherever we have families that um, are, are, have broken apart um, and there's just a, there is a brokenness that comes with that. You know, we have, um, communities that are affected. You know, it's hard to raise children by yourself. It takes a lot of work. And so my point is we're all about um, wanting to see families thrive. And um, we want, our vision is for a Delaware state where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, and families thrive and life is cherished. So if that's something that, you know, your listeners, you all believe in that, then, you know, I encourage you to connect with a family policy council in your state. But in our state of Delaware, uh, we've got a very progressive, just, you couldn't get a more liberal legislature than what we have in the majority. Um, We've got some great legislators, um, wonderful people to work with, but, you know, we're outnumbered. And so, um, it's been very difficult to deal with people that have a worldview and a lens of, of America that's very different than, than how we see it. And so I can't, I can't say that I'm surprised by some of the things that they, they come up with, but it's very challenging to try to educate people on the issue and at the same time get them to engage and to be a part of pushing it back. And, and that's how it is in Delaware, Sean. We're not in a position right now to be able to really advance some good policy. Um, A lot of times we're trying to hold back the bad stuff. So you asked me what some of the hardest legislation has been, and I would say what makes it hard is the impact on families, and that, of course, would be the redefinition of marriage. And then you can't redefine marriage without redefining gender. It just, they go hand in hand, unfortunately, but uh, right after Delaware redefined gender, excuse me, marriage in 2013, the legislature turned right around and redefined gender. Now, some folks are probably like, what do you mean by that? You redefine gender. I mean, it just doesn't, it's hard to kind of comprehend. Um, And what I mean by that is this elevated and this, Um, agenda, this gender politics we see going on now with um, this phraseology of gender identity. Uh, You know, you you talked about how 10 years ago we would never have seen any of this coming. Uh, Some people did, but this, these new meaning of words, these new definition of words is, is what we're dealing with. And just like what we've learned from Center for Self-Governance, Words have meaning, and when we elect people, we give them the control to define our words and to define what things mean. And so that's what we've been experiencing. It's like an onslaught of just a just new definitions. And so we're we're out here thinking it's one thing, and really it's something else. So that's what we're experiencing with this this phrase gender identity. And really. It was um, created to protect people or define people 
that are transgenders. They don't know, or gender um, non-conforming. They don't know what gender they are. And people, I know maybe people are thinking, well, yeah, they do. They're either male or female. You know, God said we're created male or female. But, um, but when you do not believe in the law of nature or nature's God, then there are no boundaries. And so you can be whatever you want. And people um, that have, and I'm trying to be res- as respectful as possible and honoring as possible. That is my heart and that's a goal. But there are people who sincerely struggle. Um, and, and I believe sometimes very medically, you know, there are issues there. But, but now what we see are young people just kind of trying on this idea of changing genders like it's a fashion statement. Um, that seems to be the trend now. And it's okay to be whatever you want to be and however you identify. However you identify is who you are. And that's being echoed from the highest level of office from pre- the current administration, President Obama, all the way down through the school systems now, is that you are how you identify. And that's a really scary thing because what we're seeing now in Delaware is this this effort to elevate um, gender identity and to to treat it in our laws the same way that we would treat what it is to be male or female or someone's race, as if your blackness for example, can change. Um, your gender can change. There's like this denial of what it means to be male and female. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, here's the crazy thing. We can look at we can look at it a uh, hundred different ways. But the but the the uh, the real challenge. This is this is a real challenge for us because as Christians, as conservatives. Uh, as people who are constantly called bigots, uh, racists, homophobes, if I had a nickel for every time I was called any of those names, I'd be a wealthy man right now. The fact of the matter is, is that we are dancing on a very thin line because we don't want to offend anyone with our vernacular. We don't want to offend anybody uh, with our words, but the the words have been co-opted. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you co-opt the vernacular, and by that I mean they take uh, the left takes words, makes them mean a different thing. Gay. Now it's okay to say gay and queer again. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Somebody told me the Q the other day um, on our uh, on our uh, website, drshawngreener.com, theninjapastor.com. Uh, go to the blog section. You'll find some you know blogs that are some posts that are kind of going crazy. And uh, guy tells me that LGBT and and he is gay by the way. He's telling me. That LGBTQ is stands for queer and queer, you know. Hey, don't queer the deal. Remember, we used to say this when we were younger. Oh uh, man, you're you're. There was a game called Smear the Queer, and you had a little thing in the middle, and you had to run in and grab it or tackle the guy. And you know, we never thought of anything about sexual orientation back then. It was just that's the name of the game. Well, then uh, that's terrible. Um, and uh, gay was the next thing. That was okay. Oh, I'm gay. Oh, okay. Oh, I just came out to my dad that I'm gay, and he didn't take it well. Um, all right. Well, now that's not good. Now we have to say different names. And so now the preference is LGBTQ, and I'm told there's another one, X, and that is if you don't want to say what you are, 
You just say I'm X. I'm, I'm none of those things. You can't define me by saying I'm male, I'm female, I'm transgender. I'm, I'm none of those things today. I'm what I am, which you don't get right. to say which I am. So when we look at that and we say, look, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, just unzip and you'll know what you are, you know, and so will all of us. Well, we don't want you to unzip here, but how about you go home tonight, little homework, uh, and you just check just to be just to be sure. I'm pretty sure they know who they are. Now, in alliance with what you said, look, I'm sensitive to uh, people's different mental state and, and where they are, you know, as a person in their struggle. They may have some different struggles that are going on, hurts, habits, and hangups. I'm down with that. I understand, but I'm not going to play into it. Um, and I understand you're in a, a different role. For me personally, I just refuse to play into it. It's it's uh, you be there if you want to be, folks. But the bottom line is, look, um, you know, there's a problem when you the the simplest thing, you can't figure out what what sex you are. It's it's there's just a major 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 problem. When you unless don't know, you, unless you redefine the, it, right? So well, well there's the thing. There's the thing, Nicole. Redefining right. it. Who re, who redefines it? Who gets to choose? Right, and 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 then the rest of society has to accept that. It's like you know, a, a few weeks ago when um, President Obama sent that letter down from his administration to all the um, Department of Education to you know school administration things, and he was saying in this letter, you know, to, that to provide reasonable accommodation to people who identify as transgender is not what he, they're looking for, because mm-hmm. that still says you are different. What they're looking for is you allow people to use whatever accommodation that, it, that they identify with. So um, if, if young girls are, you know, uh, offended or feel um, unsafe because a boy is in, the, in their private area, then, you know, their discomfort with that, uh, the fact their acceptance of that person being there has to override their discomfort because the fact that they're uncomfortable with that is a problem to begin with. And I'm looking at my sweet little 14-year-old daughter, you know, and trying to process this out with her. And the fact that she thinks that it's a problem when there is a man or boys in the same private areas where she is, I want her to have that little alarm inside of her that says, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right for my own safety. I do not feel that I want to be in this position. I would never want her to not have that little alarm in her head that says, I'm not in a place of safety here. Right. And so I, I feel like that is where um, Obama is going with these things. And, and I've heard that there are administrators, you know, school principals and administrators across the nation who are really upset by this because they are in a position to protect the daughters that we send to the schools and to say now that, you know, you have to do this or we are going to, we're going to pull your school funding. I think that's why you had 11, you had officials from 11 states that joined the lawsuit against the Obama administration. And that was being led by the Texas attorney general's office. I think that that number is climbing and will soon reach 30, Sean. So that's something Mm. to watch. But here we go in Delaware. Here's what's going on nationally, right, with this issue. But now in Delaware, we get an activist legislator who says that we need to protect um, all of these classes in an equal protection amendment, meaning we're going to change the Delaware Constitution 
to offer these equal protections. And, and, you know, her, her line is because, you know, we need to enshrine equality. Well, what they're not telling you is all of the unintended consequences, whether we are unintended or not, there are, there's such a lack of clarity with this and unintended consequences when we already have statutes in Delaware that protect a gender identity and sexual orientation. And we already passed that in 2013. And we actually did, the lawmakers and the majority did put some exemptions in there. They're weak exemptions, but they still recognize that where you have students disrobing or changing, you know, whatever, um, that, that the statute didn't apply or where you have religious um, instances where you mix the, you know, the sexes, this doesn't apply. And so they're elevating this idea of gender identity um, to a place that no other state has done in the nation because, well, I hear their reasons of why they're doing it, but what it will do is create so many different issues legally. I mean, we already know that the ERAs that went in in the 70s, you know, to protect women are being used to justify state funding abortion, right? Like you can't, mm-hmm. they have states that are saying that taxpayers need to pay for this or it's considered, se- you know, sex discrimination towards women. So yeah. imagine what it's going to do if this, this sexual orientation and gender identity, gender identity specifically, are elevated to this point of strict scrutiny, and that's a legal phrase, meaning it's given the highest level of scrutiny. And in this case, in Delaware, it's given that by the Delaware court system. They're given the highest authority in interpreting and, and applying any of these perceived violations of the equal protection uh, clause. And so the legislature then move, it, they, they, they lose control and the control is now given to the courts and the, and the people I've talked to in Delaware are saying, no way. Not only are there so many unintended consequences of how this is gonna affect the privacy of women, how it's gonna affect our religious liberties, how it's gonna affect you know, um, the age discrimination uh, possibilities, and not only does it remove the discretion of the legislature, it moves all control to the Delaware courts. Can you imagine the court cases we're going to get? And so we're just pleading with our legislators to please understand the weight of this very short bill and understanding what you are doing when you vote yes on something like this. I mean, Sean, it's like they're not even reading the language. I mean, I'm grateful that we've been able to hold it back, but only by like three votes, right? Right. And so we're just praying that we can continue to hold it back until July 1st and and, and just that they they see the light on this and understand why this has not been done in any other state. And my goodness, we would not want to set a precedent for this in Delaware. I mean, this is really, really bad legislation. You know what's funny is, uh, and I say funny in a sort of a make me sick to my stomach sort of way. Um, Breitbart is reporting uh, Anderson Cooper. Now we know Anderson Cooper. It's obviously he, he's gay. He's you know he's out. I'm not breaking news there. Um, and actually, I've met him. Uh, when I had a protectee up at uh, CNN, I got to I got to sit with him for about 15 minutes, and really super nice guy, very engaging. Um, sure. 
much smaller guy than I thought. I didn't realize he was that small. I guess on TV, you just can't tell. But anyway, he was very, very nice. Uh, but he has just come out and said that it's hypocritical to oppose both gay marriage and the Orlando massacre. In other words, remember what we said just a few minutes ago about the the vernacular uh, being co-opted. Well, here we ha- we have ideas. Now you're talking about uh, definitions and who who enforces those definitions? Who gets to say what's right, what isn't right? Who, who gets to um, who gets to adjudicate that? And and and, and if this law is uh, enacted. Well, it's, it's going to be the courts. Well, who are the courts? Who are the courts made up of? Because we forget. We as a public, we always get caught up with this whole business of I'm going to do the real American thing. I'm going to make sure I'm registered to vote and, uh, you know, squared away and uh, so that I go and do my civic duty. I'm a proud American, and I'll wear a little sticker that says, you know, yay, I voted. Well, that's one one of the many, many uh, offices that, you know, this is, this is once every four years, folks. The ones that affect you so dramatically, the ones that impact you more than you can ever imagine are school boards, members mm-hmm. and leaders. Uh, you've, got, you've got state representatives, state senators. You've got uh, even, even as little as treasurer. I think uh, the current governor of the state of Delaware, Markell, was a treasurer. You say, well, that doesn't really matter. I'm not getting involved in that. It doesn't really matter what he's doing. He's just counting the money. Well, look where he is now and look what he's doing. You know, he wants to be known as the most liberal uh, governor in the country. He wants to be known as the most anti-gun, uh, gay-friendly uh, governor in the country. So, so, and I bring that around to this. Anderson Cooper says it's hi- hypocritical to oppose both gay marriage and the Orlando massacre. Well, we know the legislators in this recent case in SB 190, they're saying, hey, you can't be against this. Uh, and, and they'll use the tactic of kind of laughing at us and, oh, you pedantic Christian conservatives, you ultra white homophobes, you country bumpkins. Uh, you don't even know that there aren't problems right now. They're that we haven't had a single problem with this. You look in the paper, you look on the web, you won't find it. There aren't a bunch of, you know, people doing these bad things right now. So, you know, you're just full of it. And then we have Anderson Cooper saying, which is an, this is an untenable proposition that he's making here. It's hypocritical to oppose both gay marriage and Orlando massacre. First of all, that's apples and aardvarks. But how many people will click on that or listen to him say what he says and they'll go, well, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. They won't read all of it. They'll read the first three lines. Blog posts, the first three right, lines. You better, right. tell, you better tell your story in the first three lines. Or statistics tell us. My publicist tells me this. He says, look, you've got to make your uh, headlines more grabby. You've got to make your titles more grabby. Show tells all the stuff. I said, man, I'm going to make them what I'm going to make them. And if people want to read them, great. Uh, if I don't become some famous guy, that's fine. But the bottom line is I'm not going to trick people through clickbait. Well, that's what the left does. The left does it, and we fall for it. So people will read, hmm, maybe I am being hypocritical to oppose both gay marriage and the Orlando massacre. Maybe, you know, maybe I have a problem. Maybe I'm – so that's what's happened in America. What's causing us to rethink things like where you go to the restroom, where you change your clothes, it shouldn't matter to you that somebody of the opposite sex – because I'm a man. 
I'm almost 6'4". I'm 253 pounds. I'm multiple discipline black belts. I've got, you know, anti-terrorism experience, counterterrorism experience, all this stuff throughout the wazoo. I don't want a woman walking in to where I'm trying to use the restroom. I don't want that. And I know it's not all about that. It's not all about that at all. But the fact is, you see how they've changed. They've changed the vernacular, and they'll look at us sort of and laugh and say, you know, oh, so pedantic. You probably don't understand um, abstract art either. You know, you probably don't understand jazz either. Well, let me just, just to, to go back with that example over the Anderson Cooper, because this is what I'm hearing a lot of. And I even heard it on the Senate floor yesterday when this bill, when the bill sponsor brought it up and I thought it was so distasteful and it's, they need to be held accountable because um, what they're trying to, what they're trying to say is that by speaking out in opposition to this legislation or uh, for having for having deeply held religious convictions about human sexuality and about marriage, um, that you are inciting hate um, mm-hmm. because you disagree, right? And so, and and you can be as respectful and loving and honoring as as I've never met personally anyone who isn't that way when it comes to these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yet, if you disagree, then you are then you are hate filled and you are a bigot. And you're you're and and we were accused of all that on the floor yesterday, and I thought, my goodness, we were so respectful. Um, but that doesn't matter if you disagree. Then this is who you are, and it, and it comes down to they believe that these things are their identity. It's who they are, and we don't believe that. We believe that you've been made male and female. And, you know, we have a whole different uh, mindset and understanding of belief at that. So I'm always, you know, I'm looking at this whole sexual orientation and I, I you know, I know people who are ex-gay. They are no longer uh, identify as, as gay at all. Uh, married, happy, and, you know, had different issues in their life that um, led them to a same-sex attraction, things that they've been able to get healing from. And, but the gay community hates. So I'm like, okay, so you can't be ex-gay. I mean, they are violent towards people who are ex, who, who identify as ex-gay, but yet your identity is fluid. That's what they say. But yet your identity, something that's locked into your biology and your DNA, uh, but that's fluid. You don't you don't have to be male or female. Um, it's like except at the same time, you know, they want you to accept the science, their quote-unquote science, on on uh, climate change. But don't accept the science when it comes to biological gender. You know what I'm saying? Like it's mm-hmm. I heard a pastor refer to it as um, situational um, science. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, it just there's it's there's so much about this that is that is so confusing. I had uh, somebody yesterday tell me about um, their grandson is only just turned 10 years old and is in the public school system. And told his family, you know, that this weekend that he's gay. And I and I'm like, at 10 years old, I mean, you haven't even gone through puberty, you haven't even developed. I mean, but just the atmosphere that we have now with with this next generation and the mindset, Sean, is just when you think about that, you can't help but think, my gosh, how are our children going to lead and uh, not have to compromise and sacrifice their deeply held religious beliefs about sexuality and marriage 
Um, there, you, you have people like Anderson Cooper and people with the mindset like this senator yesterday who want to silence and push people out, um, you know, expel them if they believe something different. Because if you do, uh, then you are a bigot and you must be stopped because that's what produced the Orlando shooting. I mean, how messed up is that? Mm-hmm. But in their minds, that's how it's rated. So when you look at this, you go, how do we prepare our children to lead when this kind of thinking is out there? And, and that's why we do Patriot Academy. I tell you, it's an answer. It's a solution. Center for Self-Governance is a solution. Imagine if we could get Center for Self-Governance, all of our, we'll just start with our Christian schools. Imagine if all of our Christian schools and homeschooling um, environments across the country took very seriously this, you know, um, this I, this goal of getting their kids ready to lead in this time. To do that, you have to understand the times, and many, many people do not. Um, and so Center for Self-Governance helps with that, but also it helps prepare our children to be leaders and influencers. And then, you know, imagine Patriot Academy, where ch- these young people, 16 to 26, 25, um, who have the courage, who are steady in their faith, and they want to know how do we debate these things, but they're using the footing of the Constitution. Um, and so we say that government is the backdrop of Patriot Academy, but really you're coming in and you're learning how to step out in courage, um, because that takes some practice. And when you do step out, um, you know, we have a, an assimilated situation with Patriot Academy where they have to present their idea, um, their bill, and they are coached and they're, and they're taught some effective communication skills. But you get to practice in the comfort and safety of, um, of people who they are coaching you and debating you at the same time. So um, it really creates a community, a national community of young people. Um, who are practicing on each other in preparation for when they step out, they begin to lead and influence in our world. So, you know, I've never seen anything like it, and I'm excited by it. Because, and I yeah. want to just direct people to patriotacademy.com and just look at the examples right there, patriotacademy.com. And you'll see when all of the Patriot Academies are taking place, we have a regional Patriot Academy taking place in Delaware. It's three days, July 13th through the 15th. But if you've got a young adult that's interested, they've got to apply now. They've got to get it. The application process uh, takes some time because we want to know who we're investing in. So yeah. um, they they got to get right on it. Um, but we do invite them to come to the Delaware for the Northeast. It's held in Delaware. And we do have 10 spots that are available right now, 10 more spots to fill. Um, before, you know, July, hopefully before July 10th. So uh, we are we're welcoming in those young, um, young people out there who have courage, who want to have courage, who want to one day be in a position of influence and leadership. And they yeah. know they need some practice and they need some support. And, uh, or maybe they feel like they're in a position and they just need, they want to practice on it. I think Patriot Academy is the place to do it because, boy, iron sharp as iron. And it's something watching these young adults go at it with each other. It's a level of debate and discourse that we could only hope to have in the state of Delaware. Amen. That's for sure. 
Hey, one of our great listeners just sent in a message that's echoed by many, many other listeners, and that is the privacy and safety of the 99% should not be subservient to someone's sexuality or confusion thereof. What do you think of that statement? I think that's pretty powerful. It is pretty powerful unless you redefine the meaning of safety. Um, Just what President Obama said, you know, he calls it discomfort. Uh, and, you know, if somebody's feeling uncomfortable with having the opposite sex in a private social, in a private setting, a private facility, then that's really their problem. Um, Sean, it, it defies logic. I, I don't know what else to say, but that people need to be involved and need to reject yeah. this, this redefining of the words. They need to say enough is enough. No. Yeah. No, we are not going to accept this massive governmental lie um, that's being shoved down our throats uh, to, to believe it's it's not right, you know. And that doesn't mean we can't be sensitive and honoring and respectful toward young people who are dealing with this this very real issue. But again, it's not an issue to them. It's not a condition to them. It's not something to be treated to them. It's an identity, and that's and we're saying oh, it's not. And Yes, it is. And if you agree with us, you're discriminating. That's what we're up right. against. That's the mindset we're up against. You know, last night uh, I watch uh, this guy by the name of James Corden. He has the Late Late Show with James Corden. He's the guy that does the. Uh, he's a British guy. He does the uh, car karaoke. Rides around with. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, I just started uh, recording it because I'm. You know, I, I hope not to not be up that late. But the guy's just a masterful, masterful interviewer. Well, I was watching him last night, and he had on none other than Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Uh, as, as some of you may know, Lily Tomlin only within the past, I think, couple of years came out as gay. Now, she has had a partner for 20-some 20 20 or 30-some years. I mean, it's been a long time. In order to understand some of – now, this is not all of because I have many gay friends. Believe it or not, I have many gay friends. And I have relatives that are gay, and we're very close, very, very close. And I have friends that are like a sister to me. They're gay. Politically, we're, we're, we have some differences. But it would surprise you to know, it surprised the audience to know, that actually, they, you know, we, we share some common ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yeah, aren't right. anti-gun. They aren't, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of issues. And they said, you know, look, we need to have some common sense here. This is ridiculous that we're doing the things that we're doing. For such a small percentage of the people, all that said to say this on the James Corden show, um, the late late night late late show with James Corden, um, he has on, uh, and I can't stand. Uh, I'm not a really big fan of Jane Fonda at all. In fact, uh, one of my shows, I read a poem I wrote that was part of it was directed toward her, uh, and and then Lily Tomlin. I'm, I've never been a big fan because I know both of their politics are, uh, they're just personal way of living is just disgust me. Well, Lily Tomlin, as she goes up in age, you know, they're both in their seventies now. So they, you know, you get older, you start to say, I'm, I'm going to be 51 in September. You, you get older, you start to say things. You start to not censor uh, a little bit. You start to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to say what I think, say what I feel. Well, Lily Tomlin, uh, she was asked uh, by James Corden. I thought it was a great question. A lot of people think James Corden is gay, by the way, he's not gay. He's married and he has children. Uh, So he says, so he says, uh, he says, you know, if you don't mind me asking you, um, why did you wait so long 
to get married? Was it because of the legality of it? Was it legislation? And she said, you know what? I don't do anything that the home, that the uh, heterosexuals do. I don't like to emulate them at all. I don't want to do anything a heterosexual does. Well, I hate to say it, but I think she was assuming that he was on her team. And he was kind of taking I had to watch it a few times to really catch his reaction because I think he was, he was a little bit uh, caught off guard, but being such a professional, he goes, yeah, me either, <laughs> you know, uh, and kind of went on to the next question. But there is a seething disdain. I'll use this. No, I won't. I'll use hatred. A seething hatred for people that they presume uh, are not only not like them, but the enemy. And that's the difference. That's one thing I wanted to just say and get your uh, get your response to. Look, in July, this is it's July, right? This is uh, H, uh, SB 190 going to kind of come back and and they're going to try again. They'll try to do it secretly. They'll try to keep it hush hush. Uh, but the, just like and I'll, I'll give an example for our audience, you know, if where you live, they have referendums. And uh, my buddy Philly Bob has just sent me a picture of Hanoi Jane atop a communist anti-aircraft gun. That actually was one of the things that motivated me to write that photograph right there uh, in context was one of the reasons why I um, I wrote this. It's a long poem. I read it, but it's it's really, really long. Anyway, suffice it to say. You know, if you live in a place where they have referendums, they say, hey, look, we need money for schools. We need more. T-. That's always the left. Always. It's, it's about the kids. We need more money. We need more time. It's always more money. It's always more time. And you know what? You've got to cough up the money because it's for the kids. And if you don't love the kids, well, then, you know, that's a real problem. Somehow or another, private schools, Christian schools are doing it with a whole lot less and doing it a whole lot better. But that's a whole nother show. Now, so they have this. And they publicize it. They get out there and they say, hey, you know, we're going to have this referendum because you love the kids and you want a great future for this is our future. And, you know, we've got to protect these kids. We've got to have them safe and secure and they've got to have good learning space and blah, blah, blah. Well, it gets shot down. It loses by, you know, how many of our votes. Most of the time, these referendums are very poorly represented as far as the voters. It can be 136 votes, total votes cast on something that is millions of dollars to the taxpayers, but people don't get fired up about it. And sometimes they just miss it. They go, well, it's not the president. And I, you know, it's no big deal. When in fact, yeah, it is a big deal. It's another form of government because it's another form of taxation. They can take money from you. And I mean, they can take huge money. Um, so what happens? They fail the initiative. And then what happens next? Guess what happens next? They have a certain period of time where they can file it, and they don't talk about it at all. They don't say anything about it until right before. They try to suppress all the press. Nobody, don't talk about this. We want to win. We know we've got enough votes, and if they, if the other side doesn't know when the vote is or they're confused or they find out too late, they can't mobilize, and then we win. And they do. They do win. And I, you know, that's my concern with this case is I fear – that this will come up uh, a little bit more quietly, uh, you know, kind of under, we, we use the term under the radar. And, you know, the question is, is, you know, how do we defeat that? What are some things that we can do, uh, both from a CSG, Center for Self-Governance, Delaware Family Policy Council, just general good citizen? What are some things that you would recommend that we do in the meantime? Now, I'm not talking about you and me, because we're, 
we're actively involved and plugged in and we've got to keep the Republic team and we're on it and we're not going to let them. I'm talking about the listener out there, not even in Delaware, but anywhere, anywhere they are. And this stuff like this happens. It, it, it happens all across the country. What do you think their best bet is? What do you think their next step is? What do you think their, you know, what, what should they do in order to prevent that sneaking in last second, all of a sudden it's voted down or it's tabled and then all of a sudden it's law. Okay. So I hear kind of two questions in that one question. So let me see if I can, if I hit the mark here, you let me know. Um, first of all, I think that for people who are listening to some of the things that you're talking about, it can be quite overwhelming and you, you start to, you start to feel like, well, first of all, how do I even make a difference? And will it even matter? And aren't we too far gone? And come Lord Jesus, come. You know what I'm talking about? There's um, a lot of Christians and, that, let me, let me just interject here, Nicole. There's a lot, there are a lot of Christians that they press eject by saying, come Lord Jesus, come yes. quickly. It, it's our they biggest, say, I just want him to come back. It's our biggest barrier. It's our biggest challenge that we have. Um, and I believe that things have gotten so out of hand because of the absence of light, because mm. of the absence of truth. And so uh, years ago, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure somebody can share with you what the theology is on this. But when the church abandons the arena of government um, and the arena of education is when, um, you know, th- th- there was an absence of that truth and of people who were being equipped to go in and make a difference in those places where in the founding of our country, it was the church that was leading the way in every way in government in um, in teaching our children and all of the creation of our universities. Um, and hospitals. You know, it was people being motivated by and being compelled by their love um, to go in and, and create these entities to truly serve and help others. And so uh, when we moved away from that kind of understanding um, and we abandoned those areas. We, we, we left the territory and we gave it up to people with a very opposite worldview um, who have been the lead influencers in those places and even have taken over certain church denominations. So, you know, where we're not following the word of God and even questioning the authenticity and the authority of the word of God. I mean, if you do that, then there is no, there is no authority, right? I mean, anything goes. So it's like at the beginning of our nation, you know, um, Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin, the original seal of the United States, and, and people can go look this up, the original seal that they proposed was absolutely beautiful, and it said, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. And even they understood um, that um, that God was the final authority, whether you agree or not, however you want to worship him or not. Um, the fact is that they believed in the law of nature and nature's God is the authority and the foundation for our nation. So my point in saying that to you is um, we've got to start to ask the question, how do we make a difference? And we've got to get back to just downright forming relationships with people in a society where um, living these lives um, off the radar and without community, because the Internet allows us to do that, um, and Facebook and social media allows us to feel this uh, very this false connectedness, if you will, um, and where we're not out. I mean, think about it, Sean. When was the last time 
that you were over someone's house for dinner, like you and your family invited, or you all invited somebody else over. I mean, maybe you all aren't, aren't, aren't like everyone else, but I'm saying even the art of hospitality um, has been, has, it feels like we lost it a generation ago. No, I've, I've had to learn all over again. And you know how we learned in Center for Self-Governance about um, the mayor of Philadelphia, Mrs. Powell, who welcomed the founding fathers into her home during their deliberations or after, you know, their hours and hours of debating and deliberations with one another. She would welcome them into her home and she would feed them and allow them time to just relax and discuss and in so doing became an, a, a main influencer to George Washington himself. And here she was a woman who had no right to even vote. So back to learning, how can I be an influencer? And that's done through relationships and relationship skills, you know, truly caring for people, listening to people, calling up people who are in places of leadership saying, can I just take you out for some coffee? Can I meet you for some coffee? And just getting to know people. But I would say, first things first, I would say adjust your diet of information. Make sure, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, that you are getting in some intake. Um, you know, for me, you know, listening to your show, listening to Mark Levin, um, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy those people. I've listened to them for years and years. Some people listen to Glenn Beck. Some people listen to all three, or you too. So I'm just saying that you have to make sure that your diet of information is strengthening your knowledge. So um, if you can do that consistently, you'll be surprised how much you know when you go to speak about these things. And then the second thing is start talking about it because you'll, get, you'll hear ideas from people that you don't really know how to address and how to combat or what to say to that. So go on a journey and figure it out and ask people and start to get connected with wonderful groups. That is a beautiful thing about the internet is how great we can be connected and get our news from other sources. And, you know, I encourage your people to maybe, you know, come in or ask you, Sean, how best to do that and what to get connected. And then, you know, once you start to increase your knowledge, and we talked about Center for Self-Governance, about Patriot Academy for young people, but, you know, you start yourself on a steady diet of that, then it's a matter of go to your capital, capital go to your, where these policies are made and in the proceedings, you know, it doesn't take long, but start to acclimate yourself to these things, get involved in school board elections uh, locally, get involved, in, I mean, that, you can make a huge difference there. Just start asking questions and forming relationships. And before long, you will start to be in a place where you can make such impact. I mean, we've won school board elections by four votes by calling friends and neighbors and saying, hey, would you go out and vote for this person right now? You know, and um, just talking and, and connecting with people. Um, it's amazing what we can do if we're consistent and um, we don't look at this kind of engagement anymore as just optional. This is something that we have a responsibility to do. Does that help? Does that answer the question? Oh, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Um, and ultimately, it, it comes down to this. You know, people, and I, and I preach this all the time. I know we're, we're running out of time with you, but uh, I preach this all the time, and I, and I say this. Not tongue in cheek. I, I don't. Not joking about it. I'm not. You know, this is serious. Uh, serious business. Um, look, 
you have the, the days of not being involved and turning it over to the professional politicians are exi- those days we got busy conservatives got busy we were working we had businesses uh you know we just we we had a lot to do and because we had a lot to do uh you know quite frankly we missed a lot of stuff that was happening but we also missed a lot of the stuff that was happening uh, by the left using, you know, uh, Saul Alinsky tactics, rules of, for radicals. We missed a lot of it. We were working. We were earning money. We were generating t- tax revenue, all of this stuff. But another reason we missed it was because we thought, well, this won't happen here. This can't happen here. This is just not something that we're going to have to experience. Because it's, nobody's, nobody's going to vote for this. Nothing's gonna, there, nobody's going to allow this. There's no way. Well, what happened? It happened. It happened over and over and over. And it's like a shark in the, in the water. When, when blood is in the water, the sharks go crazy. Well, the left sees a, one victory and they say, oh, look at this. Look what we can do now. We won this. Look what we can do. If we're just silent and stealthy, we can keep doing it. And, and the, the way we win is, uh, number one, the fluffy talk. I, I'll just, I'm just going to say this and, and let it be said, and I'll take whatever flack, um, whatever flack uh, has to be taken. Um, will be it's fine um, the, all these fluffy tweets love wins hashtag love wins uh all, all the, this, this is this is silly talk this is this is absolutely child's play um, when we look at reality uh, as an example in Orlando because make no mistake about it this is a political uh, situation going on in Orlando with 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 what happened and uh, the aftermath and and what all's being tried. Uh, you know, there's there's actually people marching with banners that that are they're all dressed up and carrying rainbow flags and uh, say no to Islamophobia, no to racism and fascism, yes to equality and diversity, LGBT against Islamophobia. Well, aren't they nice college kids or aren't they nice still living in mom's basement kids? Whatever. But they want to do these hashtags that talk about, uh, you know, uh, love wins and, you know, they're just uplifting tweets. And it seems like, man, we really want to say those kind of things. We want to be people that say those kind of things. We don't want to be people that are mean and say, look, the way you beat Islam is you kill it. That's the way you kill it. You kill enough of them so there's no more for them to fight. That's just reality. Don't like it if you don't want to, but that's how combat works. And we're at war. It's just a fact. Now, you take that ideology and you and you flip that to our country. Listen, our country is under attack. Uh, Islam doesn't care. It, their, their whole deal is they want to attack the infidel. Well, who's the infidel? All of us. LGBT, straight, conservative, liberal, Christian, Jew, atheist, atheist. We're the infidel, and they only live to kill us. They'll wait patiently to kill us, and all of these leftist tactics, even as it relates to restrooms and locker rooms and changing rooms and schools and all these things, they make us weaker. I know it sounds crazy. Well, what in the world is the tether? Well, there is absolutely a tether. There's absolutely a tether because while we're messing around with this delusional ideology of, well, we'll just be nice. We'll just be nice. We'll tweet nice things. We're not going to let them win. Uh, meanwhile, what happens? You know, the nice Christians, they don't, they don't uh, stand up and say, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a second. 
some, I mean, it just amazes me that there's not hundreds of people at all the different legislatures all around the country saying, look, I, I don't want this to happen. I don't know who this big group is that's pushing for this to happen, these SB190s and other super de- detrimental bills. I don't know right. who's pushing for it, but it's not us. And if they look out, I say this all the time about Lavoie Finnicum's murder by the federal government. If Lavoie Finnicum was with even just a thousand patriots, he'd be alive today. He would be alive today because, and you know as well as I know, how hard it is to get people to come to Center for Self-Governance classes, and we bring them to your hometown. The, what they cost is is negligible. It's what you get versus what you uh, spend and invest. Come on, it's it, there's no comparison. But here's the thing: people don't do that. Conservatives don't do that. Even people look. I know people who are not conservative, who are who are gay, and have told me, Doc, I'm telling you. I'm not for this. I don't right, understand right. why we have cl- we've clicked onto this and said this is our issue. Let's see, what do we want to be known for? Well, we want to be known for abortion. We want to be known for late-term abortion. We want to be known for post-birth abortion. We want to be known for gay marriage, marriage whatever you want. Uh, we want to be known to take God off the platform of the Democrat Party. That's what we want to know. That's what we want people to know about us. Really, holy moly. Oh, we also want to be known for we love Muslims. We don't. They're on our team. No, they're not on your team. That's delusional, and it's going to get you killed. You got to wake up. You got to wake up. I mean, it is just uh, look. It, it's just asinine. Bottom line is, we've we've absolutely got to do this. We've got to get engaged. Now, I know in the state of Delaware, I don't I don't know what your member list is like. But it's a big bunch of people because I know every year in the spring of every year you have this Pastors and Leaders Summit that I'm always pleased to go to. I do book signings and we get a table. And my buddy Sean and Angie, they always do a table there and we have good friends there. Um, you, you get six, 800 pastors and leaders in a room. And, and look, there's not even a big meal. It's, it's just like the, the breakfasty stuff. And they come every year. But we've got to do that. We've got to have that kind of showing when bills like this come up. We've got to have that kind of showing when, when I announce CSG is coming to town, guess what's got to happen? We've got to have these people who jump in with both feet and say, I'm here. I'm ready. You know, you know what, Sean? I just want to say something about that because um, it can be a real point of discouragement for people who maybe have other organizations and other efforts um, because, you know, you go past something, you put it out there. And, um, you know, you just get upset when people don't respond. And, and I just want to just give a bit of an encouragement about that to listeners and something that I've learned. Um, it really does all go back to relationships. And I love that. I love that about our God, the way he wired us, the way he made us. I mean, we can send mm-hmm. texts, we can send emails all day long. But when you start to build relationships and serve one another, um, people respond. I mean, mm-hmm. would I have responded to your radio show if I just saw it, you know, in an email or whatever? No, I'm so busy. But, you know, I get I get my friend saying, I really want you to listen to this. Or I get, you know, Sean Greener inviting me, you know, I'd like you to listen to this and, and see what you think. Then I'm in, right? Because I care about right. my friend. And so it works that way. You can't get around it. It's just the way it is. When we become good at relationships 
And, and I know that you can attest to this. I know I can definitely, as we mature, we get better at relationships. We learn a few things, right? Um, right. We, um, we, it, it's, that's how it all starts. I mean, you, what you do, um, you know, with the friends that you meet with on Sunday night, then that start with a relationship. I mean, right. that all, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. So you mentioned the pastors of your summit. Let me tell you how much of a blessing that summit is to me. It's a lot of work. It takes like 60 volunteers to pull it off. And all the volunteers are young. God bless them. They, they represent with such excellence. And I'm so proud of them. But we pastors and leaders come in from all over the state. They come every year. And you're right. It isn't a big fluffy event, but they come to learn and to be equipped. And that, that last summit that we did, you know, we always have about 750 people register in little old Delaware, but I didn't send out one invitation. I, I sent out, excuse me, I didn't send out any flyers. I didn't do any public announcements. I sent out a text and I sent out one email. It's time for the summit. Register here. Get your tables. You know, and thanks, glory be to God. It was our members who went out and filled the table and said, I want you to come to this. I want, this is important. You need to take time off your morning and come to this. And it was the members that we have relationship with who filled that entire room. And I, there was no begging, there was no pleading. And I mean, now that was our, that was the sixth summit that we've had, but glory be to God that that's, that's the power of relationships. And so I just want to encourage people in that don't stop talking, don't stop serving, go talk to your neighbors, you know, get yourself out of the comfort zone. Not everybody's an extrovert and I understand that, you know, but it's, it's easier when you just serve people. And you don't have to be a big talker, just be a server. And yeah. that's going to move you. That's going to move people off the couch at night. That's going to move people, you know, from being in front of the TV, look for ways that you can serve the people around you. And before you know it, you're going to be in a position to start to speak some truth and, um, and they'll listen to what you have to say. So I hope that encourages somebody out there because there are things that you can do right now to make a big difference and just don't give up. Never, ever, ever give up. We can't give up. Nicole, it's been great to have you with, uh, have you with us today. And I know our audience appreciates you. Um, we will, uh, we'll post your uh, website information, all that different stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's been a great privilege and honor. I'm so excited with the work that you're doing. I'm excited that we have you in the state of Delaware and uh, I'm, I'm just so, grateful for your voice, for your partnership, and for your encouragement. You've been a great encouragement to me from the from the time we started. So I thank you, brother, for all your work, and you keep on. I'm excited. Thank you for having me again. My pleasure. Virtual high five. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, you know, just out fighting. We have our other guests waiting on the line. We're going to do a quick commercial. We'll be right back. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey, folks, you know what's going on in Venezuela today? Just take a look at Venezuela, one place. We could look at Argentina. We can look at all these other places. But let's look at Venezuela, just Venezuela, one country. Just gobs of oil, gobs of oil. Still have, they haven't run out of oil. I mean, the problem here is not that they ran out of oil. They didn't run out of oil. 
government ran rampant. They printed a bunch of fiat currency. They were crooked as could be. They did the wrong things the wrong way. And you know what? Now the country of Venezuela is in serious trouble. Serious trouble. I mean, people are eating their pets. You don't think it's happening because, you know, you don't turn on the TV and see that. Newsflash. Television is not going to tell you that. Why? Because television in the United States of America is controlled by the left. Left controls it. They don't want you freaking out. But I'm here to tell you, look, do some research. If you know anybody in Venezuela, find out. Look, I know people all over the world. I know a bunch of people in Venezuela, and I can tell you it's a bad deal. But let's just look at the global financial system today versus in history. A $100 paper bill a year from now. I'm going to guarantee you it's worth significantly less than it is today, and it's not worth $100 today. One gram of gold a year from now, one gram. I'm telling you, it'll be worth significantly more. See, here's the problem, according to Ronald Reagan, quoting Alan Greenspan. The problem is, in the absence of the gold standard, there's no way to protect savings from confiscation of wealth. Now, here's the thing. Richard Nixon, in 1971, took the United States of America off of the gold standard. The gold standard is, hey, if we have a dollar bill, we have to have at least a dollar's worth of actual gold. We have a $20 bill, we have to have actual $20 worth of gold. The standard is based on how much gold we have. That's a fact. That's just the deal. Well, that's not that way anymore. And if this concerns you, well, you know what? Just listen to this. College cost, this is over the last 10 years, up over 1,000%. Medical care, up over 600%. Have you noticed that food is up over 145% in only the last three years? One gram of gold purchasing power five years ago. And today, compare those two, increase significantly. Equivalent value of fiat paper currency, virtually worthless and losing value every day. If that concerns you, you absolutely must right now, today, write this down. If you're on a mobile, write it down, type it in your notes, whatever you have to do, and go back to this, www.goldrushninja.com. GoldRushNinja.com. That's where you got to go. You're going to find a lot of truth there. There's some powerful videos there. Um, Nobody's going to wrangle you. Nobody's going to pressure you, but you're going to see the truth. You're going to find out what is really going on and why you need to do something about it. And we have the answer. And the answer is uh, fractional gold in small amounts because that will be our currency. Gold has never failed to be honored as currency. It's never failed to gain over the long haul. It's never failed to be recognized as not only currency, but money. The difference between currency and money is what it says on the bill doesn't mean what it can buy. And we all know that's a fact. You know it's a fact. www.goldrushninja.com. Go check it out today. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Boy, that was fun. That went a little longer than we thought. We started earlier than we thought. We went longer than we thought. And we, uh, But we appreciate Nicole uh, hanging in with us and answering all the questions. We are so fortunate right now in the remainder of the show to have with us the founder of VoteBiblically.com. VoteBiblically.com. Um, and, and I'm just going to tell you, this is an extraordinary woman. I told you at the opening of the show 
that where I learned about this this lady is through another great lady, great patriot, um, Elizabeth Letchworth Christ. And I'm telling you, one thing I've learned, I have some great friends, and, and Elizabeth is, is among the best of them. And if Elizabeth tells me, hey, this is somebody you need to talk to, this is, this is somebody that you need to know and, uh, you know, maybe have on your show because this is a person who's making a difference little by little, bit by bit, and is brave in doing it. So, um, I, you know, for me personally, it's been a pleasure to get to know this lady. Uh, her name is Allison Lorkowski. Hopefully I'm – Allison, am I, am I pronouncing that correctly, Lorkowski? Is that how I pronounce your last name? Yes, you are pronouncing it correct. Finally, finally I did something right. <laughs> well, listen, you have uh, – we have posted this on, our, on our, all of our social media and all that. Um, you Wonderful. have quite something going on here. And, but tell me, how did it start? Vote, tell, well, first, tell you what, first of all, tell our audience what Vote Biblically is, what it means, mm-hmm. and then how did it start? Well, Vote Biblically really is about connecting the, the dots, what it says in Scripture. Oh, hang, on, hang on one second. God. Hang on one second. Let, let me interrupt. Let me just help my audience know, um, mm-hmm. Allison is from the Deep South, in case you were wondering. No, <laughs> I'm South. teasing. She's from Michigan. Could you tell? Yes. <laughs> Go Can on. You, I'm do teasing. I sound different? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Sorry to interrupt um, you. Well, both, being silly. No, that's okay. That's okay. And, you know, I love Elizabeth, and I have to say her heart is with God and country. And when you talk about connecting, that's how we connect it, is that we have such a passion for God, such a passion for our country. And, you know, going out on the front lines, and, you know, that's, that's something that, uh, really connects us, all of us, that we just have such a heart for God. Um, and Vote Biblically really is about putting God first and really about biblical principles, about his word. And what is so awesome about scripture is it covers every aspect of life. And so that's what we're really about. We're really about looking at how do we vote and looking at what it says in scripture and going by that. It's that simple. Wow. How did you Isn't come to this? Isn't it simple? It is simple. It um, is very, very simple. But how did this happen? It is. And, you know, God is really simple. Sometimes people make things so complex, but when it comes to God, he's very simple. But um, how did it, how did Bo Biblically get started was back in 2012, um, with the presidential election, it was really like a God moment for um, for us. Um, but biblically, basically, everybody, the politicians, they have their signs out there, and you saw everyone's names, and every everything was about somebody. But the question was, where is God in all of this? And um, the yard signs were on the front lawns, and you know, people were talking about issues. But it was like, well, where is God? And God was really lost. Here, you know, in, in the political arena. So in 2012, we actually started um, Vote Biblically. And what we wanted to do is put people's eyes on God, to have them think about God. And uh, when, you look in the, when you look in the marketplace, when you look out on the streets, there really isn't anything that reminds you of God when it comes to the political arena. So you could say Vote Biblically is really like a marketplace evangelism 
and we use yard signs and billboards and different types of print material to get our um, voice out there, our voice of faith out there. And it just says, the signs just say, vote biblically. They have a logo with the United States of America with the cross in the middle. And um, that logo is really significant. And I explain it to people when you were growing up and you were le learning the states, there was borders and you would color the different states. But what God is doing is God is just really, he doesn't look at what church you belong to, what denomination you belong to. I mean, we are the body of Christ. And in this hour, we really need the borders, I mean, really are dissolving. And the, the body of Christ, the true body of Christ is really being raised up in this hour that we're one body in Christ and we're not divided by our denomination. So that's really, really important to know. Wow. So we're coming together on that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's powerful. I, I love that. Um, so you're now when you, uh, you engaged with Elizabeth, Elizabeth, again, mm -hmm. folks, you've, you've heard Elizabeth uh, many times on the show. Uh, really, really great lady. Um, when you engaged with Elizabeth, under what circumstances did you did you meet her? What was the situation? Well, I have to tell you that is such that is such a God story. <laughs> that is really wonderful. Um, basically, when Bo Biblically got started, um, that was just a walk of faith. That was like walking on water. And um, we had we were getting these yard signs out, and we were selling them, and we'd sell maybe twenty at a time, or and then we'd buy more. So it really started off really small. And one day, you know, God really gave the download. It was like we needed to order 500 signs. Now, remember, this is just starting from scratch. I mean, this is just starting from a few signs, you know, 20 at a time. And mm -hmm. God just really laid on our heart, actually my heart, you know, we need to order 500. And we had to order it by Monday. And, and so basically we didn't even know we, where we were, were going to get the money from, but we got the money. Someone came up with the money and said, hey, put it on my credit card, you know, have those printed up, and we did it. But we had no place to go. We had no plan whatsoever. And by Friday, we had met Elizabeth. She was touring with um, a group, Defeat Obama, and which we don't go by a Republican or Democrat. We really focus on God, but they were traveling around. They were all about God, and they just embraced us. I mean, it was amazing. We had no idea. So Friday, we were traveling with them around Michigan, and they embraced us. We had a table right next to their stage, and everywhere they went, we went, and we brought the signs, and we were selling signs, and people were, you know, they they were buying them, and they were putting them on their front lawns, and, you know, they were going to the rallies, and you would see the signs, and it just grew and grew and grew. And along the way, we met um, different pastors, different political leaders, and um, we've known each other ever since. And we've been doing that since 2012. And Elizabeth has been wonderful. And she, you know, she's always willing to help, you know, whatever way I can help you, whoever I can connect you with. And so over the years, we've kept in touch. Well, that's, that's awesome. That you couldn't happened. have a better friend. Could not have a better friend than her. That she's absolutely awesome. So let me, uh, you know, when folks go to your website, which is votebiblically.com, there there are a mm -hmm. lot of resources there that are, are really right. um, 
very, very valuable. There's flyers. There's all kinds of stuff. They can also sign up for right. a, uh, a mailing list. But, but one of the issues that we deal with here, um, I, I really think – I'm trying to think. Well, well you know, we, we kind of did – talk about it in the, in the segment before you we talked about senate bill 190 mm-hmm. in delaware but but really we touched on marriage and and biblically defined marriage and all of that right. genesis 127 28 so god created man in his own image male and female he created them god said to them be fruitful and multiply and then in right. uh matthew 19 4 through 6 and two shall become flesh what god has joined together let, let not man separate marriage he who made them at the beginning made them male and female so we know Historically, it's it's a contract defined as a union uh, or legal contract of, between a, 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 a man and a woman. But but now, but right. now, and we talked about, Nicole and I talked about, and I talk about this on the show a lot, now mm-hmm. it is not politically correct to even define marriage that way. It's, it's to say, hey, you can't right. tell me what marriage is. And right, we were told if right. we go along to get along on this marriage thing, then you know what we're going to do? Everybody's going to be fine. That's all we want. We just want the right, you know what? It's not even about marriage. It's about, you know what? If I'm in the hospital and if my partner wants to come visit me or Lord forbid, I'm unconscious, I'll need somebody to make some decisions for me. Not that that didn't already exist in that. If you had a trust and a durable power of attorney, you named your partner as your, uh, uh, your, your executor and, and, and you gave them durable power of attorney for your healthcare power of attorney, all these different things. Very simple, very easy to do. Cost you $179 to do it. Boom. You present the document. You, they tell you everything. That's all they want to see. It was never about, well, are you married? Because, you know, well, can you show me your right. marriage certificate? It was never about well, I, that. I just, what they, go ahead. Right. You know, I just want to say really what Bob Biblically is about, I want to get a little deeper, in the marriage thing and the the bathroom, and it goes on and on and on. And, just to be a, a bold with you, I mean, we see people, we want to engage. I mean, so many people, that they they sit in their church, they go to their Bible study, it's like a social club, and they're, they're in their own little cocoons. And vote biblically is about really saying vote biblically, get engaged, you know. Like when it comes to the marriage thing, people could have gotten out like the church. I say the church is the body of Christ. I mean, we hope that, the, the preachers, the pastors, we, we hope that they would lead. You know, I, I, I would love to see a lot of these pastors walk out their church and go outside in the marketplace and do something, right? So, I mean, that, that would be great. Some of them do and some of them don't. But I think that what Bo Biblically is saying is we want to engage people. You know, you've had a lot of Bible studies, and we, we, you should read your Bible every day. You should study the Word of God. But we need to engage outside in the marketplace. You know, in spirits of influence, for example, we have parents, that, and I say this, we have parents who take their kids to, you know, to church on Sunday, and they have their classes, and, you know, they're learning about God, and then they walk their kids into a public school system and their kids are learning perversion and every godlessness, and the parents are not doing anything. And the rights of the parents are being taken away by the laws. There's so many things that the body of Christ can do. And when we say vote, those parents that are sitting in the pews, those parents that are bringing their kids to church, 
bringing their kids to Sunday school class, those parents, that's their sphere of influence. That's where they can go in and make a difference. And I think that people think they cannot make a difference, and yes, they can make a difference. We have gone in the schools when my kids were little. We have gone in the schools, and we have made a difference. And what we're saying to the body of Christ is to get engaged, go in there, go in your spirit influence, and bring the word of God. It doesn't matter what the world says. We have to stand on the word of God. And like you said, marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. It's that simple, and you can read it in Scripture. There's no ifs, there's no buts, and that's what's so great about God. He's real clear. So when we talk about both biblically, um, even the balance of powers, you know, in government, and people need to understand, like, studying Scripture, God really designed government, the branches, equally so that there wasn't that overpowering, like the executive orders have been, it's out of control. It's not a balance of power anymore. And so if we go back to scripture, we can put things back into alignment and going back to the word of God. So that's really something that we really, we really try to tell people, you are voting. You are voting when you turn on the TV too. And when you allow this stuff in your home and your kids are watching it, when you want to tell your kids, don't, you know, we don't want you to drink, we don't want you to do drugs. I mean, we have to live and take action. And, you know, with with the word of God, we, we're we not doing that. I, I don't think that our world would look like it does if we followed the word of God. And if we come together as the body of Christ, we have so many threats against America now. We have to, when we talk about the gen, the gender bathrooms, gender identity, God says male and female. It goes so deep. It's a breakdown of the family. These kids are going to be so confused. They're not going to know who they are. I mean, God tells you, you're a male, you're a female. I mean, there's someone told me there's 51 different names they're thinking of to identify gender identity. That's called insanity and godlessness. So we really want to encourage the church, you know, to know that it's not politically correct. You know what? It's God correct and that we need to have the fear of God that we're so disappointed that we don't want to, you know, we don't want to disappoint God. That fear of God is like, God, we want to be pleasing to you, that we love you. And, I mean, that we're willing, we're giving everything. We're serving you. We're loving you. And by doing that, we're loving other people. It's like that they know the truth. That they're not, that so many people have chains on them. They're so confused. It's, it's really sad. And the world wants to twist around like Christians are haters. Oh, boy, Christians are not haters. You know what? When you love your children, I mean, you tell them the truth. And they get in trouble when they do things they're not supposed to do. We're telling people God's truth. You're either following God or you're not. And that's really serious when it comes to the Christians. I mean, you can't just do what the world says because you want to just get along. You're actually going against God. That's, that's right. Yep. That's right. That's scary. Uh, yeah. You know what? It, it's interesting to me. Um, it it here here's the crazy thing that happens, and and it's uh, it's disturbing from the standpoint of in today's society, I. I, I hate political 
correctness. I, I hate it. It's not that I'm trying to be uh, disrespectful of anybody. I'm not trying to be in any way um, offensive or belittling or mean or anything. But the truth is the truth. And, they, and you know, the retort from the left will be, and, and sadly a lot from the right, um, they'll say, well, your truth is different than my truth. We share a different truth. Uh, we believe a different truth. And I, and I often will say to them, no, it, it's not, that's, that's not a fact. It, it's just simply not true. You, you are comparing apples and aardvarks here. Uh, we don't, this is, this is not how reasonable, rational people think. We can't function as a society when you can make up what gender you are. When you can make up, look, I'm, I'm going to marry uh, so-and-so, and, and, well, but so-and-so is your same sex. Well, yeah, but I have a right to marry. Well, where does that come from, your right to marry? Well, you have a right to marry. You're a heterosexual. Just like the abortion issue. I know all the way back to 2011, and I know it's even higher now. Uh, I think it's 1.34 million innocent babies were murdered in the womb. Now, why the left has taken this up as a um, really a, a benchmark? I mean, you've got you've got men on the left and women on the left, and we don't know what on the left saying. Well, it's a woman's right to choose. Stay out of my uterus. I, I was driving the other day, and I know this is going to shock you, but it was a it was a Toyota Prius. And it had a big bumper sticker on the back saying, stay out of my uterus. When I got right next to her and I said, well, there's no problem with that. You're not going to have to worry about that with me. Um, (laughs) I'm interested in your uterus. You can keep that to yourself. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, is uh, she had a bunch of other, you know, uh, gay agenda stickers and, uh, you know, all, all this stuff. And it was real offensive stuff. And I thought to myself, man, oh, man, you, you drive around with that on the back of your car. Wow. And, and, but she would say, if I were to ask her, no, I'm not embarrassed of that. No, I'm proud of it. I'm loud and I'm proud. I'm queer and I'm here, you know, well, look, you do your thing, right. but, but don't influence, don't influence society, especially when it doesn't impact you. For instance, if you're gay and you're having sex with a woman and you're a woman, you ain't getting pregnant. So the whole abortion thing is not germane to you. But what they've done is they found a linchpin. They found a a line in the sand, and they've said, hey, this is our issue because we can push it because we can change the language. We can change the language, right. and we can say it's about choice. It's about um, my right to choose as a woman, which, which, by the way, completely eliminates the right to choose. The father, father of the baby has no choice. What if the mother never tells the father, hey, by the way, I'm pregnant with your child. Oh, I'm going to go have an abortion, by the way. Wait, 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 no, 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 you, no, why? That, I don't agree with that. No, you don't have a choice because, you know what, it's my uterus. You don't get to talk about what happens in my uterus. Well, I kind of was involved in creating the baby. Shouldn't I have some involvement? You know, there's just all this all this uh, anger and stuff going back to me. Pick this as a linchpin. The, the, the party of darkness, the side of darkness, the left is just, um, it blows my mind. I mean, when they spent almost three hours on the floor of their last DNC convention, fighting to take away any reference to God or deity or supreme being. And they fought on that for three hours, multiple votes. They lost in the end. Thank God. They lost in the end. Thank God. Thank God. But you know, you've got to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. 
you've got to ask yourself, what in the world have we done? Have we, we've become passive. Christians are kind and they're nice and we're sweet and we're fluffy. And you know what? We're darn busy working and running businesses and employing people and paying our taxes on time and doing all these other things. We, we don't have time to fight the good fight anymore because we're busy trying to keep up. Uh, you know, well, you just, know we, just, we, do, we do need to keep fighting the good fight because you know what? We, we do need to make, we need to fight because you know what? If you can't stand now, you're not going to be able to stand later. I mean, I, I, you have to give up something. You have to stay in, you have to stay in and fight the good fight of faith. I, I'd like to read something from scripture and just apply about what you were talking about abortion. Cause I think this is really important. Um, in, in scripture, I mean, I stand on the word of God and it says my people are destroyed. This is Hosea 4, 6, which I absolutely just love. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. That's pretty powerful. That God is going to forget your children. We, ha- we as Christians have a responsibility. And I just want to say, like you were saying with the, um, you know, what they say about pro-choice, and it, it's almost like this brainwashing that's been taking place. You know, a woman has a right to choose and blah, blah, blah. Well, there, there was a video on Facebook, and I have to share it because it was really powerful, and some of your listeners may have heard it, and you may have heard it. But once these one, people were interviewed and they were asked, well, what do you believe about abortion? And, you know, I believe in pro-choice, blah, 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 they were answering. But once they saw the video, once they saw how that baby was ripped apart, when they really looked at that, there was, they changed their mind. In a matter of seconds, they changed their mind. People say words and they don't even know what they're talking about. They say pro-choice, and they don't see that baby being ripped apart. But that's ignorance. I mean, it is plain ignorance. So, I mean, when we go face-to-face and, you know, when we go face-to-face and we talk to people, we have to get out there. We have to communicate with people. I mean, they're believing the lies of the enemy. But when they see truth, it is changing people's minds. So I really encourage people, I mean, you know, it's like these, I encourage people, we need to get out there. We need to say God's truth. We, sh- we need to stand strong. And, you know, we need to have courage, God courage. And answer, it's really not, God gives us our compass. He's the one that said male and female. He's the one that said marriage. He's the one that says do not murder. So when someone says to me, they will say, well, you know, that's what you think. But, no, that's what, that's what God says. I stand on the word of God. I'm telling you the word of God. So you may say that's what I think, but I'm following God. That, that's a huge difference. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Well, part of the reason, uh, and we only have uh, just a few minutes left, but a part of the reason, okay. uh, you know, Psalm 33:12 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And part of the reason is we, we have turned, we've turned so aggressively from God because we've made okay. God, We've, we've made, amen, one of our listeners in chat has said, give the baby a chance and a choice. Amen, that's for sure. Um, thank you yeah. for including that. Uh, you, you know, but one of the reasons why they don't want the video seen, uh, I, I found that to be the case as well, is once they see the video, they, they turn. They say, oh, wow, I, I had no idea. 
even women yeah. contemplating abortions, even women who have had abortions, when you show them that video, they say, mm. oh, my gosh, did I do that? Uh, and they're like, unfortunately, yeah, but God forgives and you can place your faith in the Lord and, and he, he will transform your life. He'll make you new. He'll wash you clean, pure as white snow and, and, and all, all of the tenets of our faith. But the fact is, that's why they try so hard to keep legislation out that says, hey, if you want to have an abortion, you have to watch this 11 minute video. It's 11 minutes and it tells you what's going to happen to you. And what's going to happen to the baby when you uh, have this abortion. And it's going to also show you what exactly you have inside you right now. Because you think that they're just sucking out some sort of formless, you know, blob of protoplasm. And that's not the case at all. Um, And then when people see that, they say, oh, my gosh, I I can't believe that. And they they don't do it. It's 80, 80, what is it, 86.6%. Of the people who see the video immediately say, well, I'm not going to do that. And, and in many cases, when, the, when we've been able to show that video uh, on iPad and different you know, little tablet PCs to big you know, protests where people have the signs, you know, oh, you know, it's my uterus, my choice. And then if they're willing to watch it, the whole thing, what I found more often than not is they end up in tears. They end up in tears. They have this moment of confrontation with God and the reality of what they do because God isn't a fake God. This is, this is reality. This is how we live uh, in faith, in our faith, a real God. We're hopeful. We're looking onward. We're looking outward. We're helpful. We're, we're happy. We look inward, and, we, and we're happy, and we're joyful, and we have regular prayer and thanksgiving, and, and, and uh, we work on our hurts, habits, and hangups by looking upward and saying, God, what do you want us to be? How do you want us to be? You know, the only way that we can do it is by embracing the spirit of God. We don't quench his Holy Spirit. We don't let it go out by carelessness. We don't look at it like, oh, well, that's just silly talk. We take it seriously. And then you, you've said this probably a hundred times so far by the word of God. We receive it. We, you know, now that there's no excuse. People say, well, I can't read the Bible. It's too complex. It's too confusing. Uh, the language is too hard. Well, there's translations there's so many translations, that's no excuse anymore. And you know what? You don't have to schlep a big old Bible around anymore because you've got this little mobile phone. I've got 33 translations of the Bible on my iPhone right now. I've got Amazing. I've got, yeah, it is absolutely amazing, and it can translate for me into different languages. There's, there's no excuse. So the Word of God, we've got to receive it, we've got to read it, and then we've got to use it. We've got to put it to work. And then by prayer to God and with God unceasing communication with God. Definite, we're not praying into the air. We're praying to a living God, the living almighty God. I don't serve an awesome God. I serve the awesome God. And then we place our, our trust in him through peace, through preservation, through faithfulness and fulfillment. We do these things because we believe in the living God, and, and, and we live our life that way. No Christian is ever saying, and I know you're a very humble person, you don't say, hey, look, I'm perfect. you got to be just like me. you got to do well, just I'm like I do. Perfect. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, that's the other way that, that the, uh, the truth has been co-opted, and the fact of the matter is, is, wow, you know, we, we've got to get back to this. This is not, uh, this is not in some way uh, passe. This is, you know, more, more than anything. 
Um, I, I say to people this all the time when I talk about gold, look, you know, it wasn't raining when God told Noah, hey, you better build a boat. Noah never built a boat, didn't know what a boat was. God said, hey, it's going to rain. Uh, you know, it's going to start raining. It's not going to stop. And, and, the, and the waters are going to cover the earth, and it's going to kill everything in the earth that's not on that boat. Well, Noah must have said, well, what's rain, Lord? I've never seen rain. What is that? Nobody's ever seen rain. No, It wasn't raining then, and when he put the animals on, it wasn't raining. But you know what? It started to rain, and God himself closed the door, and he said, these eight people and all these animals and plants, this is going to be this is going to be my new people. I'm giving you another chance. I'm, I, I have wiped it clean. You didn't listen. I gave you the chance. We're wiping the earth clean. We're starting over. Well, you know, we've made a mess of it. We made a mess of this liberty and freedom that we have. But we have, just like Nicole Tice of Delaware Family Policy Council before you said, don't give up. Don't quit. Listen to right. shows like these that are going to lift you up, going to inform you, give you the truth. Uh, go to votebiblically.com. Fill out your information. Nobody's going to pound you and hound you for donations and all that stuff. They're not going to sell your name to a bunch of lists. But get plugged in. If this has resonated with you, get plugged in. Allison Lorkowski, she doesn't get paid for doing this. This is this is she's doing this out of her heart, and she's saying, you know, people, uh, you know, God loves you. I love you. I want you to get involved with what we're doing, so that we can save this great country. Uh, God gave us yeah. this gift. I mean, this this is not something that just happened. We know the original 13 colonies all identified as Christian colonies. A nation shall be blessed that whose God is, is God. You know, that's this is, you know, when we follow God as a nation, we're blessed. When we turn away from God, we're burnt. Look at Israel. Uh, it's, a, it's a great example. Every time they gave, I do a whole sermon series on that. Um, every time we've done something that's anti-Israel. We've paid, I mean, through supernatural events. Allison, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. I'm so glad. I hope you'll consider coming on again. Um, we have been blessed to have you here. I know my audience has too, and uh, but we've run out of time. So, folks, go to VoteBiblically.com. When you go to Vote Biblically, there's going to be a little Facebook F. It says click here to follow us. Click on that. It's very easy. It's simple. You're not going to get a 1,000. I've followed it for quite some time now, and, and uh, you, you don't get a bunch of stuff in your inbox or in your feed, you're like, you know, okay, what's this? It's not like that. So just, you know, I want to encourage you and lift you up, Allison. I thank you for doing what you've done. Isn't it amazing how God works and, and puts people in contact? Uh, it's just a, it's just a wonderful thing, but thank you so much for coming on with us and God bless you. Well, God bless you. And thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Take care. So there you have it, people. There you have it. You know, uh, today has been an interesting show, right? I mean, we've talked about voting biblically. We've talked about um, what's going on, in, not just in Delaware, but all around the country. Uh, what's going on in other places in the world? I talked about Venezuela, Caracas, Venezuela. I just had somebody contact me. Uh, he wants to do a solo vacation. He wants to go on vacation by himself to Venezuela. Uh, he lives in Jakarta, very wealthy, very, you know, internationally known figure, uh, and he wants to go, he wants to go to Caracas, Venezuela. And I mean, he, he doesn't have any clue. I gave him some places to look. And I said, after you review this information I've sent you, tell me if you still want to go. Um, and he's, you know, he's reviewing it now and I guarantee he's going to contact me and go, Oh my goodness. No, I don't want to go there. The fact of the matter is, is we're in deep trouble as a country. And the way we win is we turn our hearts and our minds to God. Doesn't say we're perfect. Turn our hearts 
and our minds to God. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and God keep you. And join us on Sunday. Chris Cahalan will be live and in person here. We're going to have great sound on Sunday. Be with us. God bless you. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www. Dot DrSeanGreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.